welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Cotton in the Rocket Ship. I'm your host, Lennox Mars Jr. And then we're in for another ride. This is installment episode five, Mama's and Papa's Medicine. This piece um, is now going into the book, Cotton in the Rocket Ship. And that's what the podcast was based on. So if you've been tuning in, Cotton in a Rocket Ship is based on my life um, and the way I view things and some literal and some philosophical senses. And um, this piece um, basically is now phasing out of the, the, the biblical thought process and now into my literal life. So I hope you guys enjoy this piece and um, here it goes. Mama told me not to go into Walgreens. She told me never to go into Walgreens by myself. I never knew why. I always purchased and said thank you for your service. Her commands I disobeyed. Till one day Mama and Papa walked me into a Walgreens in the afternoon day. I wanted some baseball cards. That sport I never played. Mama said, go get me some alcohol. I went right away. I came back with a smile on my face. Papa was angry. Mama was the same. She looked at me with hope in her eyes and said, that was a shame. Paid for the items and shot the security guard a nasty look before she walked away. Outside, she banned me from Walgreens. Papa agreed too. I still was confused. Mama said they harassed the black youth and think you're a thief. But I felt angry and I said, that's something you raised me never to do. Papa said, we watched the security guard follow you. He noticed we were watching and then stopped. I learned my first racial lesson in Walgreens and I feel followed ever since. Hmm. This was my first encounter with racism. I would say I was about around seven or eight years old because I collected baseball cards, I collected football cards. And uh, I'm going into the director's cut now. And I always collected baseball, football cards, Space Jam cards. Um, I collected X-Men cards. So I still have those things now. And um, I do have them there in my mom's house. And I, that was one of my fondest memories, going to the store and my mom saying I should be able to collect baseball cards. I never played baseball because I always thought the ball was too hard. So when I attempted to swing at the ball and kids didn't have any aim, they would hit you and it would hurt. So I, I made attempts to play baseball, but I never was good at it. I was a basketball guy, but I always collected the cards. And my dad, he took me to a baseball game. So I always liked watching baseball. And um, when we went, I never liked watching baseball. <laughs> I never liked watching baseball on TV, 
But if we went to a baseball game, which I will take my son one day, it's very exciting. You got to watch for the ball. There's popcorn, there's peanuts, there's chips, the whole nine. And so I always enjoyed going to a baseball game, a Yankees game, because I'm a I'm from the northeast, uh, New Jersey. And um, but back to the story, this was my first encounter with racism and um, I would have more encounters with racism or the nuances of racism. But this one stood out because it's the very first time and uh, you would never forget your first time as a black person encountering race or racism. It just um, is something that stays with you. So even when I recited that, I just remember the I can remember the smell. I can remember the day. The day was a hot summer day. And um, it was a, it was a good day because this was a time when my mom and dad, they would frequent, you know, they would go to stores together and um, they would get certain things. And we walked. We walked to the store that day. I didn't live too far from the Walgreens, probably about two and a half blocks. And um, what's interesting is I still pass that Walgreens today because my mother doesn't live too far from there. And um, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic when you're African-American and you're being followed in stores. I want the audience to know that I took the liberty to speak in a Southern accent, in a twang, um, so to speak, because it, um, it has a rich history uh, some of my favorite writers are from the South. Um, August Wilson always gives his uh, homage to the South. And so I just wanted to give that that feel because it's an authenticity of racism when you think about it in the South. But remember, we're in the Northeast. And um, I'm just like amazed because I still could remember the smell of the store, I can remember going to get the alcohol. I can remember um, the look on my mom's face. It was, she she was uh, scared. My dad was angry um, and she did shoot the, the security guard a nasty look. And it was, uh, it was confusing for me. And I'm sure a lot of the black youth are confused, especially the ones who who aren't stealing. Um, so once again, there's this narrative. I always talk about the narrative of, the, of black youth. There's a narrative and stereotype of black men and black women that we are prone to theft. We are prone to stealing and um, which is untrue, which is untrue. Um, and I could just remember walking back the, the, the quietness of it all. It was very quiet walking back. Um, and my dad, he's a realist. So my dad, he would always be like, yeah, we followed you. Um, and this is what they look to do. They could plant stuff on you. Um, even if you're not doing it, they could, it's your word against theirs. And he would often say that you never want to put yourself in these positions. And me being a, a younger man of age or just a child at the time, but even a younger man when we have these conversations, 
because we would have constant conversations back and forth of, of approach. And um, I would say most times he was right, um, even in this climate, he, he was right. Um, because, you know, the, the, naive, the naivete of, of a young, the youth is that it's, it's not going to happen to you or you would have a better approach. But you just have to understand the experience that um, the elders have in dealing and combating with it. They give you these tools because it's been working for them. Even if it didn't work all the time, it would work 90% of the time. And um, having a child, that's the only thing that you have. Um, being a father now, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that this is this your heartbeat outside your body. So you're going to do everything to keep them safe. And, but in a child's mind, it's like, or even in a young man's mind or a young woman's mind, it's their life, you know. So we would always have these constant back and forth um, arguments on approach. And I'm just saying, like, what do you want me to do? If I'm encountering a situation, I'm not going to cow down or I'm, I'm not going to I'm approach it this way. And you say, nah, this is not what it is. You would want to um, always get a receipt. I remember him saying that. And I remember um, up to this day, I always get a receipt now. But I remember me and him going back and forth. And I'm like, if I purchased the, if I purchased the items, I purchased the items in mine. Um, and I would say, look, they got cameras. And he was like, man, they could erase cameras. But you can't erase this receipt that's in your pocket. And I'm like, you're right. And until I, I witnessed that, you know, uh, some young black boys, they, um, we could we can uh, go back and forth about uh, whether they were right or wrong, but they were they were caught quote unquote stealing, but they had the money to purchase the items, but they opened a, a pack of cookies in the store, and I was buying a drink at the time, and I watched them, and they opened the pack of cookies, and the guy said, "Hey, you're not supposed to eat the cookies there," and I would watch any any other race they would open a pack of cookies or they would eat grapes. Um, fruit is like a thing that people would eat a whole banana and then leave and throw the peel in there and say, I'm going to pay for it later. Like I watch white people do it. I watch any, any other race do it. But when it comes to us, we have to safeguard ourselves from all possible accusations. Um, so it's a very interesting way you have to engage the world. You have to always engage the world as I would say playing defense. You're never offensive. You always have to play defense. You always have to think about what if. And even when you do, when you are safe, there's always the what ifs. Um, so I, I watch these, these young men, they say, yo, I have the money for it. And I would say, you know, they're angry. When, when, when you approach the youth and you, even myself, um, my approach is different today than I would approach it at 18. But even myself would know at 18 is that I'm, I'm always in the realm of, of being guilty before innocent, which is unfortunate. And they were upset. And he was like, yo, I got the money. I have the money. And the, the store manager was like, come with me. Yeah. And I was like, listen, um, I was probably in my mid-20s. And I said, listen, these young men said they had the money. Um, I mind you, I'm dressed in a suit. I'm dressed, you know like a professional I said listen these young men they have the money for it they may or may not know give them the benefit of the doubt and he said no 
I think we may call the police for this one. I'm like, you're going to call the police if they if they have the money in hand. I'm like, listen, what I, I'll do you one better. I would pay for the cookies. They have the money I'm paying for it. So if you call the police, that's on you. But they said they had the money. I believe them. And I frequent this store. And so the the store manager know I, I have a rapport or he's seen me enough to know that I'm a, 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 a a frequenter of the, the of that store and he said all right and the young men were like thank you thank you and I'm like listen um I know this is your business I know you see other people doing it but you can't do that I, I understand totally you can't do that and he was like I know but I have the money and I'm like I, I get you I get you young brother I get you and um but I just had to explain it to him like listen you got to protect yourself at all times. Even if you have the money, just wait, you know. Having the discipline to wait until you, you're up on, up on to the conveyor belt, it does you well. And then once you have the receipt, you don't ever have to to deal with that again. And they were like, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I just, I just sounded like my father. You know, like, once you get your receipt in hand, it's your property, it's your groceries. You, you can do whatever you want with it. And um, these constant lessons you would... All, it would always be with you in your life. And this was my very first time um, encountering racism. I was confused. I was mad because I've always paid for my, my things. But then there was that air of, you know, listening to my father saying that regardless if you, if you had the money or not, you're alone. Um, and they're looking out to arrest you for whatever reason. And... Um, you're not gonna get the benefit of the doubt. So their medicine to me, their recommendation to me was to avoid it all at all costs, to never enter that establishment, regardless without an adult present. And that would be my recommendation to my son and myself until I feel as though he's, he's old enough to do so. So, and we will have that conversation because all black people have to have this conversation with their children because you then lead them into the, the the realm of uncertainty to be killed, to be apprehended, to be assaulted by the police, to be assaulted by uh, civilians thinking that they're doing um, some some justice or some nonsense um, to to harm black youth. So we watch this play out, and um, there's a part where I say. Uh, my first racial lesson and I feel followed ever since once you enter the once racism enters your psyche it doesn't go away so you start to think of the reasons why someone would follow you so you would think that it's almost a character flaw within yourself which is not um, you would also wonder why why would they do things? So the, the question, the why would come up. Several whys. Why am I being followed? Do I look like someone that steals? Am I someone that steals? I never did that in my life. Why would they believe that? Why would they judge me? Um, and so now racism permeates your psyche. So racism just doesn't uh, affect the person who's committing the act it also affects it also affects and internalizes the person who's being 
um, accused because up to this day, I, I and I'm, I'm being fully transparent, I never stole anything in my life. Um, so I feel offended when and whenever someone steals, steals from me or um, it is just the way I was raised. Like if $50 was on the floor in my mom's house for it could be there for weeks, $50 just there. She like, oh, don't worry. It'll be there. I know it's there. No one, everyone would walk over the $50 in the house because we know that it's for the house. You know, it's either going to go back into buying groceries. And my mom and dad, they're, they're pretty selfless people with my mom, I should say. She's a very selfless person. So you know that that money is going back into the house. So it's going to go back. It's going to matriculate back into your pocket somehow because uh, you're going to be like, Ma, I, got, I need $20 um, as a youngin. Ma, I need $20. Can I have $20? Oh, I got the 50 on the floor. You go pick it up. So when being accused of of racism or um, excuse me, being accused of stealing and having that. Uh, that accusation is. Um, it's jarring. You know, it's offensive. Um, and you don't want anything to do with it. Um, and so. Throughout the years, my my um, my approach is different. Um, I've been followed before, um, but being educated, there's some flaws that I never make. Of course, one is always keeping the receipt, as I mentioned before. But the other one too is if I'm feeling followed, I put people to work. Uh, <laughs> I, I would put you to work in a heartbeat. So if I feel as though you're following me, which I have, I've been followed in J Crew before. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I was like, excuse me, come here for a second. And he would say, yes, sir. And I would be like, listen, I need this in the size. I need this in a large or a medium. I'm going to go try this on. Um, and they, they have to go. Um, so I would, I would definitely put, if I feel as though you're following me or you're, you're you want to do your job, well, I'm going to put you to work. So that goes for anybody. I put you to work. Um, and I just don't put you to work one time or multiple times. Um, I even went as far as um, talking to the manager um, respectfully, just to say, like, listen, I'm gonna all, I'm gonna may or may not frequent this store, but I'm feeling though is that you know, on the racial components that I may be followed by one of your employees. I don't understand. I don't know whether this is a policy or not, but I would just say that as a, a patron of this store that it's offensive to me um and they would say oh, okay we'll we'll look into it and i'm like just that's it and you know i don't want any discounts i don't want anything else but if i'm noticing that you're following me i will address it so you know there's ways that we address it i don't um believe in and uh, making a spectacle of the situation because I think that's what the power system wants you to do. Sometimes they don't. They want you to make a spectacle. They want you to to have the bells and witches, which it, it works sometimes. You know, it works when you have the phones. I think you know phone recording. I have nothing against phone recording, but sometimes um, it becomes overdone. Um, so my approach is always a, a professional one. I like to speak to people one on one, face to face, to have the conversation. Um, and once again, I'm, I'm having all the evidence, the receipts, um, I'm having everything that if someone is to call the police or is to, to do something, I would always have that proof of a receipt, 
putting your, your items in a shopping bag, not grabbing it or taking it out like an item, a pack of cookies, I always get a bag. Um, these are all things that um, you are taught, whether it's innate um, or not, because I see some people weren't taught that. Um, and as black people, we make fatal mis mistakes. And I, I don't even want to call it mistakes because we, if we're in society and we're living as normal human beings, this, these things shouldn't come up because we watch. Uh, I personally watch elders of many races and including white, they pick, they eat grapes right out the bag. First of all, I'm washing my fruit. <laughs> That's just a full disclaimer. I'm washing everything that goes there because it's waxed. It's, it has pesticides on it, whatever. But, you know, they, they, they take a few, a handful of grapes. They bust the, 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 the carton of blueberries. You watch blueberries spill all over the floor. You watch strawberries spill. You know, they want to sample. They sample in the goods before they get that theft, you know. But we, as a, a, a black man, we watch people and get away with certain things on the daily, but we realized, I realized that you can't, we, I can't participate in that, um, that act because I'm deemed, I'm deemed as a, a thief, quote unquote, because that's the narrative. And I will always go back to the narrative of, um, there's propaganda against black people for 200 plus years um, we don't look at it as propaganda, but it is, you know, if you date back to Mammy or, uh, Zip Coon or, um, the Noble Savage, these are all things that you can look up, the Negro Bed Wench, there's several, um, and these are Uncle Tom, these are throughout the annals of time that they paid us in a way, so this is not just something that, um, was here yesterday, this was, um, centuries in the making so um and it's passed down so if you don't have interaction with black people you go back to these caricatures you can go back to the 1960s and you can see people you know step and fetch it um zip coon was the uh he was the archetype for individuals like myself so if a person if a black person or they would call him a negro at the time if they were intellectual Zip Coon was was essentially the intellectual who would babble and ramble on because he didn't have anything really to say. He dressed like an aristocrat, but he was an empty aristocrat. So that was the play on, you know, that's the attack on your intelligence. The Uncle Tom was uh, <laughs> someone who cares for the master and his family more than he cared for himself. Um, he didn't want to do anything with the blackness. The Uncle Tom would be um, modern day Uncle Ruckus. You know, if you look at the boon, if you look at the boondocks, uh, Uncle Ruckus would be clearly a, a, an Uncle Tom. Mammy, uh, Mammy Two Shoes, Tom and Jerry. They had a Mammy Two Shoes where um, all you saw was her legs. The, a big, fat black woman who had the authority. And she was made because in the South, um, fat black women were undesirable. So they made a caricature that um, made white women comfortable with having black women in their houses. Um, and a lot of it had to do with rape because those who were born out of rape were 
the house um, slave or the house Negro was usually a light-skinned or fair-skinned man or woman and usually the fair-skinned woman would be attractive to the slave master so a lot of it plays into the annals of time of, of why these characters were created and why they um, they're still in existence today in, in Hollywood in the movies so I look at things in a, in a certain lens and I see that these caricatures as cool as they are um, they still are in, in embedded in a little bit of the characters that we see if they don't have a certain writership that's why I always believe that we should create our own content in our own narrative because um, inadvertently or advertently or not you don't need people to play or to write for your characters and um, that's why someone like uh, August Wilson if you didn't know who August Wilson was, he's the writer of Fences. Um, he was a playwright. He did several Broadway plays. Um, prolific mind. And um, he, he makes sure that our experience is steeped in truth. And that's what I want to do with uh, this book. And in this podcast is always be truthful. To speak my truth and speak it in a way where... I'm giving you not just the modern day, but I'm giving you some historical references as well, too. Um, and so Papa and Mama's Medicine is me now journeying to the literal sense of, of combating or understanding racism as a young boy. And um, I hope you enjoyed this segment because this segment was... The first, my first introduction to a literal racism, the literal sense. Um, so I really do hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of this. And um, once again, I'm your host, Lennox Mars Jr. Thank you for listening in and peace.